You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This is uh, Father James Shaw, and I would like to continue uh, with the Republic in our um, political philosophy uh, considerations. And here I want to do the famous book seven of the Republic. We have seen the first six, and so we begin the seventh book with the following um, citation, sentence. He says, in 414a, he says, quote, next, I said, compare the effect of education and of the lack of it on our uh, nature uh, to an experience like this, you know, the quote. So we want to know why we should be just or virtuous for its own sake. This is where in Plato, political philosophy and philosophy are joined together. The order of the cosmos, the soul, and the city should be in harmony. We do not know whether it is ever, that ever can or will happen that there be such a figure uh, in any city. Um, see uh, Plato's seventh letter. The then I say the philosopher king acquires an uh, internal um, discipline and a philosophical education outside of existing cities. I might suggest that the very reading of Plato is such an education in the mind of Plato. This is, in part, why he is so charming. He knows he is competing with the established or uh, visiting sophists who teach other things persuasively. Evidently, lack of education has an effect on the soul also. Remember that Socrates is famous for the doctrine that all disordered living or vice is a problem of ignorance. Aristotle or Aquinas would say that there is indeed an issue of ignorance or deliberate not knowing. See the book 7 of Aristotle's Ethics. Um, there is something of this in all vice or incontinence. But it's not only a question of ignorance. It has to do with a misdirected eros, or will, or better, with deliberately misdirecting the will to an object that does have some intelligibility or desire in it, but which is not the uh, whole uh, that ought to be considered. I will not repeat the myth of the cave, which is the early part of Book 7, uh, except to note that this is probably the most important or most quoted myth in the Republic, if not in philosophy itself. From any of these myths in Plato, it is possible to reconstruct most of the Republic. This myth of the cave uh, comes as a recapitulation of all that has gone before. Uh, with regard to the relation 
of the philosopher to the city. Be sure to note how the trial and the death of Socrates appear in this account of when he returns to the cave after uh, turning and ascending to the philosophical sun or good uh, through a uh, dialectic that uh, uh, recapitulates uh, the end of the book six, the divided line. So the divided line at the end of book seven is really kind of redone in the myth of the cave. What about, uh, what about what happens when someone turns from the uh, divine study of the, um, the divine study to the evils of human life? Quote, do they think it is uh, surprising since his sight is still dim and he has not yet become accustomed to the darkness around him? So when the philosopher comes back into the cave, um, that he behaves uh, awkwardly and appears uh, completely ridiculous if he uh, if he's uh, compelled either in uh, the courts or elsewhere uh, to contend about the shadows of justice or the uh, stat uh, statutes of what they are in the shadows and, and to dispute about the way these things are understood by the people who have never uh, seen justice itself. The end of the quote, which is 517d, a very important passage about the how the philosopher appears to the regular people who think he's kind of uh, blinded or, or nutty in a way. Now, this passage obviously refers to Socrates, uh, to what Socrates said at the beginning of the Apology, uh, when he first uh, went into the court after having spent uh, a life pursuing uh, the order of the cosmos, he said that he did not understand the language of the court. He behaved very strangely in those uh, quarters. The laws were reflective of the disordered city and the souls of the citizens. The ship captain in book six can also uh, be placed in this context. He was someone whose skill made him seem foolish to everyone else, even though he didn't know what he was doing. The shadows are the opinions about the truth that uh, the uh, citizens hold. Recall the definition, uh, distinction between opinion and truth that we saw in Book 6, public opinion is compared to the shadows. Anyone who feeds on it will never know reality. Philosophy has the reputation of being useless, of belonging to cranks, and these uh, parables are designed to explain uh, why this is so. The problem is not on the side of the philosophers. There are two kinds of dazzlement, um, as it were. So that's a good word, isn't it? Dazzlement. Quote in 518a. Realizing that the same applies to the soul, 
uh, when someone sees a soul uh, disturbed and unable to see uh, something, uh, he would laugh. He won't laugh uh, mindlessly, but he will take into consideration whether it has uh, come from a, a higher life and is uh, dimmed through not having yet become accustomed to the dark or whether it has come from greater ignorance uh, into greater light and to uh, is dazzled by the increasing brilliance. Then he will uh, declare uh, the first soul happy in its uh, experience and life, and he will pity the latter. But even if he chose to make fun of it, at least he'd be less uh, ridiculous than if uh, he laughed at a soul that has come from the light above. The end of the quote. Socrates does not have much sympathy with those who do not understand philosophy. One of the most famous notions in the Republic derives from the image of the prisoner in the cave suddenly turning around uh, and going out of the cave. Uh, this is analogous uh, to the distinction uh, to the dissatisfaction of Adamantus and Glaucon with the common opinions about what is justice, uh, something that has driven the argument all along in the Republic. Our philosopher, as a result of Book Five, uh, seems to have uh, seems to uh, have no personal eros. Uh, even uh, the hero, who is rewarded with many uh, women as a result of both his physical condition and his intelligence and bravery, uh, begets under the watchful eye of the Pauls. We see a modification uh, in the Phaedrus of this same point. I'll meditate on the following passage that follows, which is 518 C&D. But our present discussion shows that the power to learn is present in the soul of everyone and that the instrument with which each learns is like an eye that cannot be turned around from the darkness to light without turning the whole body. Notice that everyone has a mind and to use it properly, the whole body must be turned around like an eye, uh, like the eye in relation to seeing with the eye and seeing with the mind. Uh, this relationship of seeing eye and seeing mind is common. This instrument, the mind, uh, cannot be turned around from uh, that which is coming into being, the thing, uh, without turning the whole soul until it is able to study of that which is, and the uh, highest thing uh, that is, namely the one uh, we call the good, the end of the quote. This uh, recapitulates Book 6, uh, the section on the good beyond being. And Socrates continues in 518d, their education 
is the craft concerned with doing this very thing, this turning around, and with how the soul can most easily and effectively be made to do it. It is not the craft of putting sight into the soul. Education takes for granted that sight is there, but that it is not turned uh, the right way or looking where it ought to look, and it tries uh, to uh, redirect it in the proper direction, the proper way. That is, we are given minds by nature. Education has to do with the use of what we are given. If you look at the wall uh, in front of you, you won't see the mountains behind you. Socrates next uh, says that the quote in the 518e to 519a, quote, other so-called virtues of the soul are akin to those of the body, for they really are not there beforehand, but are added later uh, by habit and practice. However, the virtue of reason, power, seems to belong above all uh, to something uh, more divine. And this is why Aristotle will end the contemplation, uh, will call contemplation theorene, to be something divine. And Aristotle uh, continue, uh, which never loses its power, but is either <clears throat> useful or beneficial or useless and harmful, depending on the way that it is turned around. Or have you not noticed this about people who are said to be vicious, uh, but, uh, said to be vicious but clever? How keen the vision of their little soul is, and how sharply it uh, distinguishes uh, the things uh, it is turned towards. Towards, have you noticed that? He says, uh, this shows that the slight that sight is not inferior, uh, but rather is forced uh, to serve uh, evil ends, so that the sharper it sees, the more evil it accomplishes. The end of the quote. That is, we have to acquire the virtues, the habits, uh, to uh, of temperance and bravery, truth, telling, uh, generosity, and so forth. They do not come by nature, uh, but the intellect as a function, functional or functioning organ does come from nature. Like the eye, it is just works uh, when the eye uh, eyelids are open. Socrates is also very acute in his understanding of the cleverness or sharpness of someone who uses his intellect wrongly. Recall the notion that the greatest crimes can only be committed by those uh, with the greatest talent. The devil is an angel of light, not a worm, originally. In the quote. Who can actually govern? So the next communism 510c says, what about the uneducated who have no experience of truth? That is, we are um, 
uh, supposed to have this experience of truth. Continue. Is it not likely indeed, or does it not follow necessarily from what was said before, that they will never uh, adequately govern the city? Uh, but neither would those who have been allowed to spend their whole lives being educated. The former uh, would fail because they uh, don't have a simple goal, a single goal at which all of their actions public and private, uh, inevitably aim, though the architectonic order of Book One of the Ethics. Uh, the latter would have failed because they refused to act, thinking that they had settled uh, uh, while still alive in the faraway isles of the blessed. It is our task uh, as uh, founders of the city in speech, then, uh, to compel the best natures to reach uh, the study we said before the most important, namely, to make the ascent and to see the good. So um, they, they need to be themselves uh, internally prepared. We call that the city of the blessed was at the end of the Apology, where the soul of Socrates was to go to continue his conversation. Evidently here, uh, he seems to think that there is something wrong with thinking out, uh, with thinking uh, one has arrived too soon uh, so that uh, they do not do the thinking that they can uh, about virtues. Though they try to bypass it. Notice again that we return uh, to the notion of Book 4 about the purpose of the uh, guardians uh, to make the whole city happy, not just the guardians. So in 519e, uh, he says, It is not the uh, concern of the law to make any one class of the city outstandingly happy, but to uh, contrive to spread happiness throughout the city by bringing the citizens into harmony with each other uh, through persuasion uh, or compulsion, and by making them share with each other uh, the benefits that each class can contribute on uh, to the community. The law produces such people in the city, uh, not in order to allow them uh, to turn in whatever direction they want, but to make use of them uh, to bind the city together, the end of the quote. Thus, we have some indication here of the difficult nature of the guardian, of the guardian life. Uh, everyone has something to contribute but it is tempted uh, to overreach his talent so that the city, uh, by persuasion or coercion, is in order. Plato evidently recognizes that uh, coercion is sometimes necessary because of the nature of the disorder. We hear a lot these days, especially uh, from religion, about the need to know and live with the poor. 
it is interesting that the guardians already have this uh, combination of active and uh, contemplative life, but in proper order. Uh, the problem is whether the obligation of the philosopher to return to the cave takes him away from the highest thing. I have always suggested that what compels the guardians to return to the cave is philosophy itself. That is, it is a part of what is seen in the good. It is like speaking of being compelled by an idea. In 520C says, quote, you are better and more completely educated than the others and are better able <clears throat> to share both types of life, active and contemplative. And therefore, each of you, in turn, must uh, go down into the cave uh, and to live in the common dwelling place of the others <clears throat> and grow accustomed to seeing in the dark. When you are used, used to it, you will see uh, vastly better than the people there. And because you have seen the truth uh, about uh, about fine, just, and good beings, you will know uh, each thing for what it is, uh, not uh, the whole truth. Each thing is not the whole truth. Uh, and also uh, that of which it is the image. Thus for you and for us, the city will be governed not like the majority of cities, that is, existing cities nowadays, but people who uh, fight over uh, shadows and struggles, uh, struggle against one another in order to rule, as uh, if that were a great good, but by people who are awake rather than uh, dreaming. Uh, for the truth is surely this, a city whose prospective rulers are least eager to rule must, of necessity, uh, be most free from civil war, whereas a city uh, with uh, the opposite kind of rulers is governed by the opposite, in the opposite way, the end of the quote. The notion that rulers are best who do not want to rule uh, is stated here. Remember the three kinds of payment to rulers, um, money, um, honor, and the penalty of being ruled by those less worthy uh, if they do not rule. Uh, Socrates wants them, uh, wants those who are rich, uh, not in wealth, but in, uh, uh, not in wealth, but uh, in reason. That the happy must be, must have, namely, a good and rational life uh, uh, is what the essence of this. And how does this come about? This is what he talks about in 521c. Quote, this is not a matter of tossing a coin, uh, but of turning a soul uh, from a day that is kind of night to the true day and the ascent uh, to what is, uh, which we say is true 
philosophy in the book. So we are turning around to ascend to uh, no. I usually put italics on the phrase what is uh, to refer to that reality that we encounter <coughs> through our senses and <coughs> mind. The meaning, origins, and cause of which is the burden of philosophy to discover uh, Aquinas is in this line. What happens in the rest of the book seven is the explanation of the ages and disciplines through which the potential philosopher becomes, after a long trial and experience, a philosopher. Uh, this takes uh, from the years of our 20s uh, to our 50s and includes the experience of early education, dialectics, politics, family life, and children, in short, experience plus learning, including learning from books and literature. Notice for both Plato and Aristotle, literature uh, can and does give us a store of experience and images, uh, often vivid ones, that we otherwise would not have. Um, there comes a time uh, when we are capable uh, of reading uh, literature uh, that praises bad habits, uh, not to justify the bad habits, but to understand what vice is. It is uh, somewhat analogous uh, to the doctor who, on experiencing himself sickness, will know what the patient feels like, uh, since it is uh, immoral uh, to murder someone in order to see what it is like uh, to murder. We can read about uh, read about it in Homer and uh, and not be corrupted if we have a proper uh, city and speech in our own souls to uh, understand it. Socrates then gives a description of how uh, we are piqued uh, to learn something. He uses the very simple example of our three uh, 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 end fingers. Uh, we have, if we have just called them three fingers, we would not uh, be particularly uh, curious about them or provoked uh, intellectually. But when we uh, notice that one is longer than another, we begin to wonder about the difference between long and short, uh, especially uh, when we notice that the middle of the three fingers is uh, shorter than the one and longer than the other, one uh, harder, uh, one softer. The same point is made uh, with thickness and with thinness. That's 523b. And he continued in 524. And is it not necessary that in such cases the soul is puzzled as to what the sense means by uh, the heart if it is uh, if it <clears throat> indicates that uh, something is also soft or that it becomes uh, by the uh, become by the light 
uh, what we mean by light and heavy. Uh, if it is indicated that the heavy is light or that the light is heavy, so these proportions. Is it not likely that such in such cases that the soul uh, summoning uh, calculations and understanding uh, first tries to uh, determine uh, whether uh, each of these things announced to it is one or two, so uh, begins to figure out what is long, what is short, what is wide, what is thick, and why is there a difference? It is because of these puzzles that we begin to think. Quote in 524D, this then is what I, uh, I was trying to express before uh, when I said that some things, some in thought, while others do not, those that strike the relevant sense at the same uh, time are their opposites. I call uh, summoners. Uh, those that do not, uh, do not do this do not awaken the understanding. So if I just see three fingers, I don't think about it. But if I see one longer and one shorter than the other, I have to ask why. So lingers, 525e, so fingers as fingers do not provoke thought. But three fingers of different sizes do provoke thought. Or, say, fingers as opposed to hands or to thumbs. So warriors need to know numbers and later geometry, both to count uh, ships and to lay out camps. The education proceeds through simple math, geometry, solid geometry, and astronomy. The difference between these disciplines is that math deals with numbers as such, geometry with lines, solid geometry with three dimensions, and astronomy with solids in motion. Moreover, math uh, has for Plato the added fascination of not changing. He says 525b says, quote, now calculation and arithmetic are wholly concerned with numbers. They, they evidently lead us uh, towards the truth. The end of the quote. And 527b says, their accounts are for the sake of knowledge, uh, of, of, of knowing what always is. So that's what we want to know the truth, to know what always is, and uh, not what comes into being and passes away. Uh, that's easy uh, to agree to, for uh, geometry is knowing uh, of, uh, of what always is by directing upwards of what we know wrongly, uh, what we know wrongly, and to direct it back downwards. So if we make a mistake in geometry, we can correct it by some standard. What to do if we are um, male-educated. The Platonic uh, formula follows, quote, 527b. You amuse me. You are like someone who is afraid that the majority uh, will think he is uh, uh, prescribing useless subjects. It is no easy task, indeed, it is very difficult 
uh, to realize that in every soul there is an <clears throat> instrument, the mind, that is purified and rekindled by sub 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 such subject when it has been blinded and destroyed by other ways of life, an instrument uh, that is uh, more uh, important uh, to preserve than 10,000 eyes, since only with it uh, can the truth be seen. So the truth is seen through the mind. The reference to astronomy is important also in 529a. 529b said, quote, I cannot conceive of any subject making the soul look upward except one concerned with that which is and that which is uh, invisible, end of quote. Socrates uh, points, uh, points out that astronomy and harmonics are akin, 520, 530b, music and music of the spheres is discussed, are discussed. So the relationship, quote, 530e, those who are rearing people should never try to learn something incomplete, anything that does not reach the end uh, that everything should reach, so that partial knowledge of the things, you don't see the whole thing and it becomes uninteresting, you don't know uh, what it's about. And so note the relationship in 521b uh, to music. Socrates compares dialectic or reasoning uh, to song, 532a. He says in 532b, he says, quote, We said that sight tries at least to look at the animals themselves, the stars themselves, and in the end, at the sun itself. The, at the end of the cave. It is in the same way when, uh, whenever someone tr uh, tries through argument uh, and apart from all sense perception to find uh, the being itself of each thing and uh, does not give up until uh, he grasps uh, the good itself with understanding itself. He uh, uh, reaches the end of the intelligible uh, just as the other reaches the end of the visible. End of the, quote. the power of dialectic <coughs> is mentioned again. 532e. 533d said, dialectic, that is the, the uh, process of argument, dialectic is the only inquiry that travels this road, doing away with hypotheses and uh, so if it's true, this is true, this is true, this you begin with this is true, uh, with hypotheses, and proceeding to the first principles itself, principle itself, <clears throat> so as uh, to be secure. And when the eye of the soul is really uh, buried in this sort of uh, barbaric bog, dialectic generally pulls it out and leads it upwards using the uh, crafts that we have described to help and uh, cooperate with it in turning the soul around. So there he's trying to say that if you are bogged down in falsity or desire, it's possible 
If we begin to think about these things, you get back on track again. Again, we have the image uh, to turn the soul around so that uh, with its power, uh, it can see uh, what is. We are to have an education on words. That will enable them to ask the, and answer questions most knowledgeably. In, as what he says in 534D, that is, we need an education that will allow us to do this. Notice that asking questions alone is not uh, philosophizing completely. For people's souls uh, give up much more easily in hard study than in physical training, since the pain uh, being peculiar to them and not shared with their body is more their own. So uh, he's saying that thinking is not simply uh, something we don't have to suffer through. It takes work and it takes things and you're by yourself. And think about that sentence, this sentence, quote, 535D. There is a pain that is worse than physical pain. Um, the kind of soreness from exercise. This explains why people often run to sports rather than to study, because the pain to study is greater. I would understand this uh, to mean that we are anguished at the at not knowing. Uh, some truth or all truth, uh, uh, and we are unsettled by it. Uh, this may not uh, be all bad. Socrates thinks that much of the trouble with philosophers' uh, uh, reputation is caused by, um, by those pretending to study it because uh, to study it, but who are not intelligent or disciplined enough to follow it, the end of the quote. Very good point. He says in 535c, he says, similarly, with regard to truth, uh, will we not say that a soul is uh, uh, maimed uh, if it is, uh, if it hates a voluntary falsehood, uh, cannot endure to have one in itself and is greatly angered when it exists in others, but is nevertheless content to accept it an involuntary falsehood, um, uh, is not angry when it is caught being ignorant and bears its lack of learning easily, uh, wallowing in it like a pig, the other quote. So he says that uh, uh, if, we, if we have a, some, if we're ignorant about something, we shouldn't be content with it, or we shouldn't pretend like it's okay. Uh, this is a rather graphic statement. Remember, <clears throat> the worst thing that can happen to us, in the view of Plato, is to cherish a lie uh, in our soul about the things that are, about the truth. Here Socrates is attacking those who do not choose to find the, to find the truth, either who are lazy or worse, who worse, 
uh, do not want to know it. Socrates is angry because philosophy is besmirched by this. 536. Um, but when we think Socrates might be forcing education on the guardians, we read, quote, Therefore, calculation, geometry, and all the preliminaries, education required for dialectic must be offered to the future rulers in childhood and not in the shape of compulsory learning either. Why is that? Because no free person should learn anything like a slave. Forced bodily labor uh, does harm the bo- uh, does no harm to the body, but nothing taught by force stays in the soul. Then, do not use force to train children in those subjects. Use play instead. That way, you will see better what each of them is naturally fitted to do. Play uh, reveals our character and makes us learn because we want to. Book 7 gives a uh, gradual time scale of life uh, for when to learn what. The importance of proper family education is established in 538C. The following is a passage uh, that much concerns me. It's 539B and D. Quote. Then, if you do not want your 30 year olds to be object of such pity, you will have to be extremely careful about how you introduce them uh, to argument, to philosophy. And is it not? One lasting precaution, not to let them taste arguments while they're too, while they're young. I do not suppose that it has escaped your uh, notice that when young people get their first taste of arguments, recall the young men in the apology, they misuse it, and treating it as a kind of game uh, of contradiction. They will imitate uh, those who have refused, who have uh, refuted them by refuting others themselves. And like puppets, they will enjoy <coughs> dragging and tearing those around them out uh, with their arguments. Then when they have uh, refuted many and been refuted by them in turn, they forcefully and quickly fall into disbelieving what they believed before, and as a result, they themselves and the whole of philosophy are discredited in the eyes of others. But an older person won't want to take part in such madness. He will imitate someone who is willing to engage in discussion in order to look for the truth, rather than someone who plays uh, at uh, contradiction or sport. He will be more uh, sensible himself and will uh, bring honor rather than dishonor to the philosophical way of life. Marvin's quote. This whole book 
uh, should be should cause us to reflect on the structure of education. Very often, the education is either to advance for us or taught by soften. Uh, there may be arguments uh, that we are not yet ready to grasp, not yet grasp, and we look uh, at the intellectual life as a sort of game of reputation uh, with no serious interest in the truth uh, that would force us to change our way of life. See if you can calculate the age that we should be for each kind of training on the uh, uh, last two pages of the book, of book seven. What happens at the age of 50? Quote, 540a. And once they have seen the good itself, they must each in turn uh, put the city, its citizens, and themselves in order are using it as their model. Each of them will spend most of their time with philosophy of the contemplative life. But when his turn comes, he must labor in the in politics and rule for the sake of the city, not as if he were doing something fine um, on seriousness of human affairs, but rather something that has to be done in the quote. So, politics is done because it has to be done, he said. Here the isles of the blessed come in again. Note the relation of philosophy to politics in this passage. Remember, we are studying political philosophy, and therefore both philosophy and politics are the proper, uh, are our proper interest. Plato himself gives us a title for this. Is it possible that he says, quote, 540b. And then, do you agree uh, that things we have said about this city and its, and its constitution are not altogether wishful thinking, that it's hard uh, for them uh, to come about, but not impossible, in the quote. So this whole subject matter of the thing only when we have rulers who are philosophers uh, will the, this come, come to be. Uh, it involves uh, getting control of children at 10, uh, 540B, on uh, the ex, uh, ex expression city and man is used in 541B. And this is the title of a Strauss book city of man, the one which he discusses the Republic, a must-read for this course. Uh, getting control of children is uh, the fastest way to put into effect the, um, this uh, education that is taken literally. Uh, getting control means to guide them freely. This is by far the quickest and easiest way to change things. And in my opinion, Socrates, uh, Glaucon, as uh, a quote from 541b, in my opinion, Socrates, you've described how uh, we should come into being, if ever did, so come into being, at least in the city and speech. 
and still there is a hint of doubt about the possibility. All we know is what it looks like in the city that we have been building in our minds and speech. Again, this looks like the end of the book, and yet there are three more chapters left. And why is this? We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.